one of the big differences with midwifery is that we look at pregnancy through a lens of health and kind of a holistic viewpoint that this is a natural, normal thing that our bodies are designed to do. And when someone is well supported and has, you know, like I said, clean water, sanitation, good nutrition, their body is most likely going to do this really well on its own. And so it's a very different lens that it looks at through. Um, we see pregnancy as a state of health. Perhaps medicine might see pregnancy as things waiting to go wrong. Welcome everyone to the Primary Care Podcast. We explore the world of primary care by featuring discussions with a variety of healthcare providers. And now, the host of the show, Dr. Ross Tanik. Hey, and welcome to another great episode of the Primary Care Podcast. I'm Ross Tanik. I'm a DO and a first-year family medicine resident. I actually think the podcast has gotten a little bit more fun to do over the course of my training because I think I'm a better host with a better fund of knowledge and experience. I think I've been asking better questions, leading a better interview, and of course, continuing to get great guests on the show. Take this episode, for example, with the great Aubrey Tompkins. She is a CNM, a certified nurse midwife, and we talk about her world of childbirth in many different ways. And what a great resource to have on the show. Uh, Some of her credentials include being the current president of the American Association of Birth Centers, and she is the founder of a birth center called Seasons Midwifery and Birth Center as well as being the author of a book called Midwifery for Expectant Parents, a modern guide to choosing the birth that's right for you. Uh, So she literally wrote the book on this stuff, so I hope you listen up, people. And not to brag or anything, but she gave me a copy and signed it. And I actually haven't read it yet because she just gave it to me about 30 minutes ago, but it looks really nice, uh, really well done. And she is super proud of it as well. And you can find it wherever finer books are found. So please check that out. Let's give her the old PCP bump up the bestsellers charts, eh? Uh, Also, please check out her midwifery and birthing center at seasonsbirthcenter.com, which, by the way, is quite an amazing website, uh, just as websites go. Uh, it looks really high quality and functions really well. And I meant to tell her in person how great the website is. So, Aubrey, great website, seasonsbirthcenter.com. Before we jump into the episode, let's get a word from one of our valued sponsors. And a fitting one for this episode. Today's sponsor is Epidurable. It's the backpack that lasts forever, guaranteed. Epidurable, the only backpack that presses so hard on your spine that you won't be able to feel your legs. Epidurable, not for hiking, of course. Visit epidurable.org slash primary care podcast to activate your discounts today. All right, let's get to the episode. 
Aubrey tells us how she was always interested in medicine and how an early traumatic personal experience in the hospital laid the foundation for wanting to provide care out of the hospital setting. So we discussed how birthing centers and community birth are alternative options for a healthy, low-risk childbirth. Talk about what they are, how they function, how they differ from the hospital experience for the patient slash client and and for the provider as well. She tells us about her philosophy of childbirth and how it intersects with modern medicine, including how primary care can play a role in a patient's pregnancy and, and birthing experience. She was kind enough to do this on a post-call afternoon when she came to record this episode, but she was very lively and lucid and a super great educator throughout the discussion, and I truly never would have known she was post-call. So uh, thank you, Aubrey, for recording this on on what I'm assuming was very little sleep. Everybody can uh, support her by uh, checking out her book, buying her book, and checking out seasonsbirthcenter.com so everybody please enjoy learning all about midwifery birthing centers community birth and more with aubrey tompkins Aubrey Tompkins. I am a certified nurse midwife. I live here in Denver um, and I am the founder and clinical director of a birth center up in Thornton uh, called Seasons Midwifery and Birth Center. We opened in 2019. I have been immersed in the world of birth centers for ever since 2006. Mm -hmm. Um, I started as a nurse in a birth center and an educator, then became a midwife, then became a director, then built this new birth center. Um, so they're my jam. It's where I feel most happy. Cool. Um, I'm currently the president of the American Association of Birth Centers, which is a national um, organization that promotes and supports birth centers. Um, I'm an author. I always feel weird when I say that. Yeah. Imposter syndrome is no, real. that's great. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I have a book. Uh, it's called Midwifery for Expectant Parents, um, and it is not made for midwives or physicians or clinicians it is made for members of the general public um, as an education tool for them that's awesome i want to talk about the book and and birth centers more in detail but keep going yeah um i'm originally from kansas uh that's where i grew up my childhood and then my family moved to southern california and then came back here uh college time so i'm kind of a little <laughs> nice kansas um, yeah. california colorado <laughs> that's awesome i'm the first healthcare provider in my family mm-hmm. nobody else uh has done anything like this sometimes i think my family doesn't understand exactly what i do really uh but that's not super unusual especially with midwifery in general i do a lot of educating and explaining and answering questions about who we are and what we do um which most of the time i like right yeah <laughs> to do um yeah that's me i i my husband i have a husband and i have three children Cool. Yeah. So why did you get or how did you get into this field or what was the the first interest and uh, what drew you in? 
So all growing up, I was into healthcare. All of my dolls went through my own personal um, hospital ward. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's funny. You're not the first to say that type of story. Uh, a couple episodes ago, Dr. Seafeld was saying the same thing. She was doing surgery on her dolls. Oh yeah, very yeah. much. Lots of surgery happened. There yeah. was a whole ward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, and I always wanted to be. Always was attracted to that, to kind of the healing arts. Um, I thought I wanted to be a pediatrician for a really long time. Um, And that's kind of the path I was on. Um, And then I had a very unfortunate experience at a hospital with my father, um, an interface that was very negative Mm. um, and kind of made me afraid of hospitals. Um, I was 13 and I went with him for what was supposed to be a routine thing, turned out to be not routine at all and very emergent. And it was very scarring, I guess. Mm. Uh, and it really turned me off to hospitals and, um, medicine. And so then I kind of veered towards, you know, herbalism, Chinese medicine, massage therapy, these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Um, and then art, eventually I had a degree, uh, in art. Um, and then I became pregnant, uh, with my first child and I was startled and, um, very surprised by the fact that I knew two things when I knew I was pregnant. One was that I would have a midwife and that I would breastfeed. I didn't really remember ever consciously being aware of midwives or midwifery, and I had never seen people breastfeed. I was kind of the first person in my friend cohort, right, that ha- was having a baby. Okay, so yeah. I, I don't know where these two things came from, but they were very strong. Mm-hmm. Um, I started researching midwifery had to very quickly pull out of researching midwifery. It's very confusing and convoluted in this country. Um, But I did find a midwife and had a hospital birth with my first son. Mm -hmm. It was not traumatic. It was not horrible. Um, It was also not empowering or super positive. It was kind of neutral. (laughs) So you had a midwife, but you also, it was in a hospital. Yes, it was in a hospital. I do believe that the reason I had a vaginal birth was because I had a midwife. Um, I had a very long labor with a large baby in a posterior position Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it took a long time. Yeah. And I found out after that the, the obstetrician that she worked with was very much like, we right. need to get this kid out of here kind right. of thing. Yeah. Uh, so I do know that I had a vaginal birth because I had a midwife. Um, and again, it wasn't awful. It was not traumatic. It just also wasn't transformative or special in any way. It just felt kind of like part of the process. Okay. Kind of. Yeah. Um, that, that rings true to me too. Yeah. Just in my experience <laughs> observing. Yeah. Yep. And then after I had him, I started, um, you know, re- getting more into researching and learning about midwifery in this country and what I wanted to do. Um, I never was very interested in hospital birth because of my previous experience with my dad. Right. Um, and feeling very traumatized. I, for a long time, I had a hard time going to hospitals because of it. Um, so I really researched home birth, out of hospital birth, wanted to go that route, learned about certified nurse midwives, knew that that was a thing, was looking at both ways. And um, eventually, somehow, the universe took me to certified nurse midwifery uh, through nursing school, which, Mm -hmm. interestingly enough, when you're an art major and you take chemistry for (laughs) artists, that doesn't transfer (laughs) to nursing school. (laughs) Definitely not gen chem. I could maybe see a way in which 
organic chemistry would translate <laughs> right. because it's very geometrical. Right, yes. And uh, yeah, I, I think it actually m- might spark some interest or like hit the same part of a, your right, brain exactly. in some way. But gen chem is brutal for, yeah, for I, the so artistic I to, brain. Yes, yeah. I had to redo some classes and kind of muddle through some of those things yep, um, to, get, to get to the other side. But I did it. I persevered. Um, and now in hindsight, I'm very grateful that I was led down that path because I love practicing full scope midwifery, full scope healthcare, um, contraception, annual exams, you know, the well person continuum is really, um, I didn't know it at the time, but it's really a beautiful place where I like to practice. So the universe sometimes is smarter than us and takes us (laughs) down the paths that we don't know we need. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's a what a great intro. I feel like we know uh, <laughs> so much uh, about you, and I think uh, a lot's gonna make sense um, in terms of you talking about like birthing centers and mm-hmm. talking about that traumatic experience with your father. That yeah, that really um, makes a lot of sense to me just mm-hmm. from that experience that you've had. Um, real quick, what's the training like for a certified nurse midwife mm-hmm. do you have to go through nursing school is there another path yes. to get there so it's there's a couple of different paths there it's very similar to a nurse practitioner essentially mm-hmm. we are the same level of training and and independence as a nurse practitioner mm-hmm. um, so you have to have a bachelor's degree in nursing um, and then you go on to your master's degree your nurse practitioner program to become a CNM um, certified nurse midwife. There is uh, a credential called the CM, which is a certified midwife, which is relatively new and is only acknowledged, I think, in eight states, eight or nine states okay. right now. Um, Colorado is not one of them. And these are midwives who do not come through nursing. They go. They have to have a bachelor's degree in some kind of related field. <laughs> mm-hmm, something healthcare, maybe. Something, yeah. yeah, biology or some science-y kind of thing. And then I'm not an expert on this degree, so people don't quote me. Um, sure. <laughs> and then you enter a program that's a master's that takes you through nursing and midwifery kind of in an accelerated right. way. Um, and they take the same national certification test that we do as certified nurse midwives. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, and so did you ever work as a nurse for, you know, a number of years Yeah, I was. Uh, and then went back to school? Mm-hmm. So I only ever went to nursing school to mm-hmm. become a midwife. Right. Okay. Um, but I actually really loved nursing school and I'm proud that I am a nurse and was a nurse when I was practicing. Um, and I worked at University of Colorado Hospital Health Sciences Center um, at the old campus on 9th and Colorado. Oh, wow. And then okay. was part of the move to the new campus on, yeah. at Anschutz. Right. Um, and so I, what is now Rose Hospital, right? Or uh, Well, what, Rose is there. The building that the university was in isn't even there anymore. They oh, tore they it down. and it's it Yeah, yep. and it's all... Yeah, my that's where the original school was, too, where I went to get my nursing, and I was driving through there the other day. I was like, oh, my school is gone. Right. <laughs> it's not here anymore. <laughs> yeah, change of scenery. <laughs> it was. Um, so, yes, I worked at university for about six years as a nurse on mm-hmm. um, labor and delivery, the high risk, the low risk, the triage, the um, inpatient antepartum, the well baby nursery. We would sometimes float to the NICU, the neonatal ICU. So it was an amazing um, experience, like time to gather experience and Mm -hmm. learn so much. um, And it was exceptionally valuable. So yeah. And while I was doing that, I was doing midwifery school and kind of doing part time and working towards that. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Um, So 
that seems like very valuable experiences actually working as a nurse before you get to kind of the highest level of yeah. whatever degree you're talking about. Um, <laughs> I was mad you, about that yeah, at first. Right. But <laughs> I but didn't looking, want to. I was back. resentful. I was resentful <laughs> of having to have nursing experience. Oh, okay. Um, but again, in hindsight, it was very good. <laughs> right. <laughs> good so, thing to do. Yeah. What were some of the things that you, you I don't know, picked up or learned or just mm-hmm. you, you could be specific or super general and philosophical from the time of being a nurse before being the midwife? Mm-hmm. Well, I think, first of all, nursing school was very, um, I had to get over my trauma from my experience with my father. Right. Um, and my first clinicals were very difficult for that reason, but um, got through it. So that's something I learned, like how to manage that, how to be in a hospital system. I think hospital systems can feel very overwhelming and kind of cold and industrial kind of right like not a lot of personal personal human touch yeah um so i think being a nurse really taught me how to navigate that system how to find the places of humanity in that system um, and really cultivate and nurture those um how one of the most valuable things was collaborating with other provider types right like learning Mm -hmm. how to collaborate with other nurses with physicians with midwives Mm -hmm. with you know with the the entire team uh... techs cnas everybody like really grasping that the team that it takes to make a hospital function and flow and understanding that has been invaluable um to me going forward in my career um and again it's really interesting i have you know i can have this it's not love hate that sounds a little too dramatic but a slightly less version of that mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> of hospitals. I, like, okay. I think I can picture <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Um, because I think that hospitals are obviously very necessary, and I think that we need to think of hospitals as places for people who aren't well um, and use our resources appropriately. Um and really kind of think about how that is and where is the best place for people who are well, who aren't ill. Yeah. Um, because I think in hospitals, we have all kinds of amazing tools and interventions and technology um, that is valuable, and I would not want to never have access to that. Totally. <laughs> and there is the danger that happens when those things are over-applied um, in a dramatic way to people who don't need them and the machines and the technology can kind of take over. So again, it's, it's appreciating that and also acknowledging that, right? Like mm-hmm. that's a good and bad thing that we have all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you just kind of brought up a couple of uh, points that I think about a lot is that I think I don't quote me on this exact stat, mm-hmm. but I believe the most common admission to a hospital in America these days is normal childbirth. Yes. Uh, Is that that correct? Yeah. The last time I looked, that was absolutely. mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, I mean, to your point is a little silly when you think of a hospital, some place that you go when you're not well. Yes. um, And that is birthing a disease state or (laughs) is it not? For the majority of people, it's (laughs) not, right? Right. Obviously, there are exceptions. Yeah. Sure. Totally. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you're, you're making a great case for, uh, birthing centers yeah. just in general already. Yes. 
Um, I think the pandemic really highlighted that because I think it mm -hmm. made folks realize like, oh, hospitals are places that are definitely amazing, wonderful places Mm -hmm. where healing can happen when you're sick. And I'm not sick, and maybe that's not the best place for me to go. Right. Um, for Why my expose yourself my birth. Yeah, to all exactly. the things of the hospital, not just COVID, but Every, yes. there's a lot of other things <laughs> in the air. Yes, there are. We can talk about the nosocomial infection right. rates in hospitals, right? <laughs> totally, yeah. Um, and so, you know, kind of philosophically, what you were saying is um, what we were just talking about with the healthy state of somebody mm-hmm. who is giving birth or about to. Um, I think about that sometimes when I think about uh, what are what is modern medicine really, mm-hmm. and I think, well, okay, uh, we've done quite a good job at decreasing uh, maternal mortality rates, mm-hmm. and part of that has to do with modern medicine. Yes. Um, but does it all need to be so overkill in the hospital? <laughs> Can you speak to yeah. uh, that uh, aspect of kind of we have done a great job of taking us from you know giving birth in the bush. Right. To um, get you know, giving a clean environment, but yeah. doesn't need to be uh, in a surgically clean OR. Correct. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on what I just I, brought up? I might get a little radical, but I think that <laughs> overall, when we look at you know, quote unquote, Western medicine or allopathic medicine and what advantages it has brought to um, maternity care, uh, I think the primary benefits that we have for maternity care are clean water, sanitation, and access to good food. Mm -hmm. Um, I think those, and also knowing things like to wash our hands and (laughs) do those kinds of things like germ theory. I think those are the biggest advances that have come to help um, decrease maternal um, and infant mortality. I think there, I was talking to a colleague the other day about the things that, that modern medicine has brought specifically to maternity care that have improved outcomes. And I believe um, anti-hemorrhagic medications to yeah. prevent um, and control postpartum hemorrhages, obviously. Yeah, that's a good um, one. Antibiotics. Good one. For And that's not specifically to maternity, but that's important, right? Sure, so antibiotics definitely. for infections. Um, access to safe, sterile uh, cesarean births is a huge thing totally. because there will always be people and babies who need to have give birth via cesarean. Um, Rogam is a pretty amazing thing, uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was, you know, brought, it came about in the seventies, um, and has had a huge impact on outcomes for families. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, those are those are some some heavy hitters. And those are yeah. big. Those are important. I yeah. don't want to minimize those things at all because they're important. But um, sadly, the United States of America spends the most money as any industrialized uh, or developed country on the planet, and we have the worst outcomes. Mm-hmm. So there's something wrong with our system that we have. We dump all this money in, but we're putting it in the wrong places and utilizing the wrong resources, um, and we have abysmal outcomes. We are the only developed country where the maternal mortality rate is increasing um, instead of decreasing. Hmm, yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, these are statistics that are out there. The World Health Organization, all of the kind of major public health, the CDC, you can find this information yeah. um, that we spend the most for the least, for the worst outcomes. What's going on there? What do you, do you have uh, insight? Uh, my feeling is that a lot of it is the over application of the technology that we have in the hospitals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, labor and delivery units are very often kind of on the same level as the ICUs. 
um, yeah. as far as technology and, and equipment. Um, we also do not have universal access to high quality prenatal care. Uh, <laughs> in true. this country. Yeah. Um, so there, it's very multifactorial. What we do know is the countries that have the best outcomes um, in the world uh, utilize midwifery care as the primary interface for pregnant people. So people start out with midwives, everybody sees a midwife, and then there are obstetricians and physicians available for the people who who become more moderate or high risk. Um, and those are the countries that have the best outcomes. Wow. Um, Do you know the off the top of your head what like, some yeah, of those are? Yeah, the Scandinavian countries, a lot of the kind of Western European countries, Japan mm -hmm. has really good outcomes, Germany. Um, these are the kind of lessons that we should be able to take yeah. uh, from these countries who are doing it correctly. Yeah, no surprises <laughs> there, I feel like. Because um, they're not just doing that with... Uh, you know, um, with regard to a healthy mom, healthy baby, but also just health in general and health care yeah. in general mm -hmm. in so many ways. Uh, those uh, countries seem to have something something yeah. good going for them. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's also, uh, there's a whole situation with billing in this country and how billing works. Mm -hmm. Currently with insurance companies, we have what's called a fee-for-service model where you get paid for things that you do. Mm -hmm. um, and so what that does is it doesn't compensate appropriately for kind of the the high touch low tech time intensive care that is really required to develop relationships and um, build trust with people and really get into the the care that really can improve outcomes mm -hmm, totally. um, and but you can't bill for that no under not, our current not well. system yeah. not well and so that's part of the issue as mm -hmm. well but no, that's great. That I'm so glad you brought that up because that's been a reoccurring theme from providers mm -hmm. on this podcast um, is talking about that high-touch, low-tech world and how it's really where the good the good medicine happens. Yes. Um, but, you know, in terms of billing, it's not uh, super reimbursable. Correct. Uh, at, least, at least in the current model. Right. Um, so you brought it up in just a, a new context for, uh, for us here. Yeah. Um, so you kind of gave us a, a picture of hospital births mm -hmm. in, a, in a number of different ways working and, and your own experiences. Um, I kind of want to explore kind of what is midwifery exactly? Yeah. You mentioned a little bit uh, the scope of practice and yes. how it maybe differs from other types of providers. What's mm -hmm. the difference between an obstetrician or a doula or right. any of these types of people? And then maybe get into... Um, juxtaposing hospital-based uh, labor and delivery and then birthing mm -hmm. center. So just a quick little quick little question. <laughs> sure, yeah, just uh, seven questions, super yeah. quick. Uh, let's so, start with what is midwifery and what's yeah. the scope of practice? Perfect. You know. So the things I like to point out about midwifery is that it predates medicine. Mm. Um, people have been, traditionally women, have been at the side of other women um, giving birth, and so there is a very kind of inherent long well of wisdom about that that has been passed down through the generations and the millennia. You know, one of the old jokes in midwifery is that the world's oldest profession is actually midwifery. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's a great point. You know, yeah, we've a, been doing this twist. for a long yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so one of the things I like to point out, again, I do not 
I, I highly appreciate and I value and we need to have our physician colleagues. So I don't ever want to sound like I'm anti-physician or, you know, but the, there's a big difference in how each specialty between midwifery and obstetrics or family practice or just the medicine world. Um, allopathic medicine looks at a problem sees a problem and wants to fix it yep. and assumes there are problems, right? It looks through a lens of pathology, right? Like there is some problem that we need to fix. And again, in many areas of medicine, that is valuable and necessary, right? I always tell everybody, if I'm in a car accident, please take me to the closest trauma center <laughs> right. with all the fancy gadgets and all the things. <laughs> totally. Um, one of the big differences with midwifery is that we look at pregnancy through a lens of health, and kind of a holistic viewpoint that this is a natural, normal thing that our bodies are designed to do. And when someone is well supported and has, you know, like I said, clean water, sanitation, good nutrition, their body is most likely going to do this really well on its own. And so it's a very different lens that it looks at through. Um, we see pregnancy as a state of health. Perhaps medicine might see pregnancy as things waiting to go wrong. Um, and that I just totally change, right. yeah. changes the frame significantly. We also, as midwives, put the pregnant person at the center of the care. I always tell families, um, no one is more of an expert in you than you. Mm -hmm. um, and so when we come together in prenatal visits and during your care, it is not a top-down relationship. It is an equal relationship. I come with years of experience and knowledge and training, but that doesn't override your innate knowledge and experience in your own body and your own family. And so we really kind of come together in a different way. Um, it's also very much that high-touch, low-tech mm -hmm. approach and building relationships and building trust. We focus a lot on nutrition and exercise and like getting to know the whole family and the whole picture. You're not just a pregnant belly sitting in my office. Right. Um, and these things are very different. You know, unfortunately, in much of modern maternity care, and this isn't the fault of any individual provider, um, we have, you know, 10 minute appointments <laughs> stacked back to back that we have to get through. And so yeah. you just don't have the time, even if you want to as the provider. And I know many providers who are not happy um, in the current system either. So the birth center model is a way to kind of pull out of that and really nurture and foster what we know works to improve pregnancy outcomes, which is that intensive relationship building, the trust, the rapport, the getting to know the people. Of course, we do things like find out people's blood types and make sure they don't have, you know, bloodborne pathogens. And, you know, we monitor the growth and health of the baby and do all of these things. Um, but... It's a lot of that intangible stuff that makes a big difference, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems like just a, a different lens through which you're mm -hmm. viewing the whole process. And it's not an entirely different lens. No. Um, you know, I mean, I guess maybe you kind of did just juxtapose it by saying, you know, healthy birth is a, is a, you know, a healthy, normal process versus mm -hmm. maybe the physician is innately, maybe not consciously, but through their training mm -hmm. is waiting for something to go wrong or bracing for something to go wrong. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's going to affect how you look at it. And also, I think many providers, both physicians and midwives, I know many midwives who fall into this category too, in their training, they're only exposed to 
um, hospital managed birth. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so they don't know and haven't ever seen how it can work and be. Um, there's an amazing physician. His name was Marsden Wagner, and he was the head of the World Health Organization Maternal Child Unit for mm -hmm. a while. He was an epidemiologist. Um, he passed away several years ago, but he talks a lot about that he went through medical school. He thought he knew everything about birth, and he you know, had been practicing for years, and he made friends with a labor and delivery nurse at his hospital who would attend home births kind of on the side, and she talked him into coming to a home birth, and he thought he knew everything, and he said that when he saw a human in full control of their process and their decision making um, in a spontaneous physiologic labor birth process he described the moment as it literally like boosh, pushed him back up against a wall wow. because he was hit with the the power and the difference and he realized oh my goodness i don't know anything right. um, <laughs> this is completely different process um so I think for many providers, they have trouble understanding how it can be and how it can look through no fault of their own. Um, it's just how our system is designed, right? Mm -hmm. the, the medical management of the process becomes the thing that we know as opposed to the process. Right, right. So, yeah, so what is uh, the difference between an OBGYN physician mm -hmm. and a certified nurse midwife in terms of what, what can't you do that they can do right. or vice versa. So I'm not a surgeon, okay. <laughs> so I'm not going to do surgery. Okay. Um, I And certified nurse midwives don't do surgery. Uh, mm. Certified nurse midwives can do surgical assisting. Yep. Um, I Oftentimes, do, they're the first assist. Mm -hmm, yep, I do first assist. Um, my practice does first assist with the physicians that we work with. Um, but that's a big, huge difference, right? We're not surgeons. Okay. And that's one thing that I highly appreciate about my physician colleagues is that they are surgeons. Like, that is a... That is a critical, important skill set. Um, I appreciate them having that skill set. It's incredibly valuable. Mm -hmm. um, most midwives do not do forceps um, for birth, okay. right? So instrument delivery. Some midwives, certified nurse midwives, depending on the hospital setting, may have privileges to use vacuums, to do vacuum extractors. It's okay. going to be very dependent on the individual facility. Okay. Um, uh, as a nurse midwife, I currently, I don't repair uh, third or fourth degree perineal lacerations. Okay. I could probably do third degrees if I wanted to get the extra training, but we, we really um, default for those to our physician colleagues. Again, there are certified nurse midwives that do do those. Mm -hmm. um, again, it's going to depend on your facility. Mm -hmm. But you do suture lax. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yep, yep. Lot, yes. <laughs> okay. Stupid question. Yeah. Yes, we suture okay. lacerations. Yes. Um, yeah. And let's see. You know, in the hospital, CNMs. You know, patients, clients. We typically call them clients instead of patients because they're not sick. Right. right. I like that. Um, can access epidurals and other kind of pain management. So sometimes people think, oh, if I have a midwife in a hospital, I can't have an epidural. And that's absolutely not the case. Um, so we can facilitate and work with that process. Um, in the state of Colorado, we have full prescriptive authority. So I can write any and all of the necessary medications that may be warranted um, during pregnancy and in annual exams. One of the things that I've done a lot more recently because of the pandemic is mental health. Uh, mm -hmm. I bet. <laughs> uh, and so we can manage kind of 
um, basic mental health issues like basic depression and anxiety. I can help people with that. Um, so we can do those prescriptive authorities. Um, so really the biggest difference is that we're not surgeons. Okay. Um, but otherwise we are, are, our scopes often overlap a little bit. Obviously, physicians are going to do much more of the in-depth kind of high-risk GYN, right? Like yeah. the, the problem GYN or gynecological care issues, um, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's pretty – our scope is pretty – is almost – It's very broad. Yes, yeah. it's very broad. Within that field. Mm -hmm. um, that's cool. So, I mean, you essentially function as a specialist in, yeah. in that world. Um, real quick before we get into birthing centers, can you help us understand a doula? Yeah. So a doula is a non-medical, non-healthcare person who some doulas have training through organizations. Some doulas have, you know, self-training in their community, but essentially they are non-medical. They don't manage your health or make sure everybody is safe physically, but they are exceptionally important for psychological, emotional support. Um, typically, doulas will have, quote, you know, some prenatal appointments with families before, during the pregnancy to kind of get to know each other and offer them kind of general support and then be present for the birth, um, the immediate postpartum. And then there are doulas who specialize in postpartum, being mm -hmm. postpartum doulas um, and coming to folks' homes after the birth and really helping them. Many doulas have lactation training, um, things like that. But the big thing is that they're non-medical, um, or non clinical, I guess. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Fantastic. Amazing people, but they're right. not clinical. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, um, would you say that that, uh, has been getting more popular to have a doula, um, in the birthing yes. process lately? Yeah. I, I, in my world it has, or mm -hmm. at least I hear about it more maybe because uh, more of my friends are having kids or, yes. or yeah. I'm hearing about it more, but yeah, it's very popular. It's particularly nice in the hospital because when you have, I mean, it's doulas are valuable everywhere, but in the hospital setting, you don't have one person who is dedicated to you, right? There's a nurse, you have a nurse. Sure, and the yeah. nurse may have one or more other patients, um, depending on the census. You have your provider, but they're not with you mm -hmm. the entire time. They're not at the bedside with you the whole time. They may have clinic to see. They, may, do you know what I mean? They're oh, they're yeah. they're very busy. So a doula is someone who is yours, who is dedicated to you and will stay with you, kind of continuity wise throughout the process, and mm -hmm. that is very valuable. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. awesome. Somebody to ad advocate for you, knows yeah. your wishes for the whole process and yes. what you want out of it, what you don't want out mm -hmm. of it, and uh, and how to communicate with the team as well too. I yeah. imagine is is yep. a valuable thing. Yep, they're I love do I love my doula colleagues. They're great. <laughs> yeah. So what's the name of your birthing center again? Yeah. So it's called Seasons Midwifery and Birth Center. Mm -hmm. And we're in Thornton. Like I said, we opened in 2019 in April of 2019. And we have had 617 babies as of yesterday. Wow. Nice. It's like one a day, basically, right? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, or maybe not. I think I did the math wrong A little wrong less. There. That's yeah. all right. right. Close enough. Lots of babies. <laughs> About two-thirds a day. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, 
cool. And so what exactly is a birthing center? How does it differ mm-hmm. from a hospital birth? Absolutely. So birth centers are usually, if we're talking about a freestanding birth center, it's a facility outside or separate from a hospital. There are some birth centers that are on a hospital campus. For example, here in Denver, um, St. Joe's Hospital has a birth center that's on the campus, but it's not in the main building. Um, but typically, uh, birth centers are kind of independent and not owned by hospitals mm-hmm. and will be kind of within a small radius of a hospital that they work with. So it's a freestanding facility. There's a place to offer prenatal care. There's a place for the birth. So my birth center, we're the entire bottom floor of the building that we're in. And I think of it as divided into three sections. Mm-hmm. So we have one half of the building is our clinic. And it functions very much like any clinic you would go to, right? We have exam rooms. We have medical assistants that are there. There's a waiting room. People come and check in for their appointments. Mm-hmm. We provide prenatal care, postpartum care, baby care. We, um, as certified nurse midwives, it's in our scope of practice to provide well baby care for the first 28 days. Okay, um, nice. So we do that for our families and our babies. It's great postpartum because it keeps them together. And yeah. um, the person who's known you all through your pregnancy is now helping you care great, for yeah. your baby and giving your breastfeeding support. Um, so that's great. And then, of course, we do well woman care, contraception, Okay, so you don't have to be pregnant or going through the process. No. Um, You could just go for well-woman care. Yeah, yep, absolutely. And menopause support, um, teens, right, teaching them about their bodies, all of that kind of stuff. So that's the one half of of our facility. Mm -hmm. Kind of in the middle, we have an education space because we do a lot of education and community outreach. We have currently every Friday from 10 to 11, we have a feeding group that's free and open to the public. You don't have to be a seasons client or family to access our free feeding group um, on Fridays. And it doesn't matter if you're breastfeeding, chest feeding, bottle feeding, (laughs) still pregnant. It's it's really open for everybody. It's just a place for folks with new, you know, to get together and build community. And then we also have um, childbirth prep classes there, lactation classes there, um, newborn classes, like all of that um, is in that education space. And then we have the birth center um, side of the building and we have four birth rooms. Um, they are, I think they're beautiful. Nice. <laughs> Each one what, has... What makes them beautiful? Yeah. Um, because they look like home. They, they look, well, when, when it was being built, one of the construction workers came to me and said that it's kind of like a cross between a, a high-end home and a high-end hotel. Like it's just mm-hmm. very nice. Yeah. Um, we have regular queen size beds. Every room has a large specifically designed for water birth bathtub or pool. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, each room has a really large walk-in shower bathroom situation a lot of people like to spend time in the shower during their labor process with the water running over them right so we have that so we have four birth rooms we have all of the equipment um we i always tell people we have the same what I consider kind of frontline equipment that we have at the hospital. So we have IVs and fluids and medications and all of the same stuff that we have at the hospital for um, pregnant people and newborns. Mm -hmm. Um, So oxygen and all of that kind of stuff. Um, And we absolutely use them when we need to. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And then, 
yeah, that's the birth center side. So all of that is kind of all together in the building. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of how the facility looks. Obviously, different birth centers have it mm-hmm. set up different ways. There's no OR? There's no OR. Okay. Nope. And we don't do epidurals. Okay. Right? So the for pain management, we have... Um, continuous presence of a support person which actually the data tells us is one of the most powerful things that you can I've heard have. that actually yep. yeah mm-hmm. so we have that we have hydrotherapy so that's the pools and the shower um, we have aromatherapy which is also can be very effective mm-hmm. we we obviously do touch right massage pressure that kind of thing um, we have tens units that are specifically designed for labor mm-hmm. um, and the tens units nice. are those transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulators nice. uh, that uh, send the electrical impulses to muscle groups and yeah. those work great on the the gate theory um, is what we think how they work kind of disrupt the sensation of pain that's going to your yeah. nervous system um, and those are great. And the ones we have are specifically designed for labor. They have these really cool um, boost buttons. So it has like a baseline rate. When you have a contraction, you hit this little boost button in it. Oh, wow. <laughs> Boosts it up. I've never they, seen that in action. Yeah. yeah. They go on your back. They don't go on the on the belly. But those right. are very effective. Um, and then we also have nitrous um, oxide at my birth center. Um, and that's a pretty popular, about 18% of our families use it in labor. Mm-hmm. We also use nitrous oxide in the clinic for procedures, Um, IUD insertions. um, Nitrous is actually an anxiolytic, so it decreases anxiety. So if we have someone who has a lot of trauma around a pelvic exam or kind of internal exams and they need to have a pap smear or something Mm -hmm. done, we can use the nitrous for them to kind of help. Helps with that With that anxiety, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, But those are kind of the, the main pain management techniques that we have okay um and then is there an overseeing physician um or you know somebody uh that's on call or anything like that or so yeah in the state of colorado because certified nurse midwives are fully independent providers we Mm -hmm. don't have to have a supervisory relationship with a physician Mm -hmm. we can and should have a collaborative relationship with physicians yeah (laughs) but it's not required as like a supervisory thing okay um so as the birth center, no, we we don't. We do have an amazing partnership with a group called the Women's Health Group, and they technically they funded the birth center and built it and okay. brought me on to do it for them. Um, and they're an amazing physician group um, that work out of North Suburban Hospital, um, Good Samaritan Hospital in Lafayette, and Rose Hospital. Um, here in Denver and they're an amazing physician group and so we have a physician in our that we share office space with Mm -hmm. um, four days a week in the clinic but they see their own clients and we see our clients but they're there if we need to ask a question or collaborate with them yeah they don't really come into the birth center there's a definite acknowledgement that we are the experts in (laughs) doing your thing doing our thing yeah um but we always have a physician on call 24 7 that if we want to call or contact we have privileges at north suburban medical center as a practice we are the only birth center on the front range that has that ability for full continuity of care so if someone has been admitted to the birth center in labor and then needs to transfer to the hospital for various reasons after that we continue we go with them and do their admission and continue to manage their care Mm -hmm. Um, wow that's really cool it's 
amazing, and I'm going to say it one more time, we're the only one. That's amazing. In the front range, you <laughs> In said? the front range. Wow, cool. There's another birth center in Grand Junction that their midwives have privileges. Sweet. Um, or they did the last time I checked. How often... Are you taking someone to the hospital mm-hmm. um, after you know somebody checked in for a healthy healthy birth, yep. and yep. then or it doesn't have to be your practice specifically, but if you have mm-hmm. any stats on either your practice, I have all of my stats. Or right, okay, hit me with hit me with your I stats. I love my stats, yeah. And then maybe if you could say um, speak to like nationally or anything like yeah. that, that would yep. be interesting. Luckily, I ha- since I'm the president of the right. national organization, I, I have those stats. <laughs> um, so when we look at any healthy low risk population of pregnant people um, that enter labor healthy and low risk, we can anticipate, and this is from this is from international data, we can anticipate that anywhere from 10 to 15% of those people are going to, after labor has started, develop a situation that requires them to move up to okay. a- to 10 a, to 15%? 10 to 15%. Okay. Um, nationally, when we look at birth center data, the transfer rate um, from birth centers, once someone has been admitted in labor um, to the birth center to the hospital, is right around 12%, um, which I think is phenomenal, right? You mm-hmm. want it to be between 10 and 15 sure. to demonstrate safe care. If I talked to a birth center and they told me their transfer rate in labor was 2%, mm-hmm. I would immediately be nervous. Okay. Because <laughs> yep. I would think, hmm. What are you telling me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Makes me a little nervous. Yeah. Likewise, okay. if I talked to a birth center whose transfer rate in labor was 25%, I'd be like, hmm, what's going on there? Like, that's really high, maybe. Sure, of course. Right? Whoops, so you yeah. want it in that sweet spot. So nationally, from birth centers, it's right around 12%. Our rate at seasons, the last I do our stats um, quarterly, the last stat was eleven point four percent. Okay, pretty good. I like being at the low end of yes, that you, range. Yes, you want to be closer to ten <laughs> yeah. than to fifteen, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, and then is is part of that kind of due to the selection process of yes. the patients and yes. making sure that they're good candidates yes. for this exact situation? Mm-hmm. So. Birth center care is a process of continuous and ongoing risk assessment, even from the very first interface that you have. So all of our clients are required before they can make their first appointment with us. They have to go to something. We call it a meet and tour. It's often called the orientation or Mm -hmm. a meet and greet or something like that, where there's a time for folks to learn how birth center care works, Mm -hmm. what it looks like, how it flows, the schedule, all that kind of stuff, the requirements. And then also for us to tell people, like, here's a first screening list of conditions that you that folks may have that we can't provide care for in the birth center so you're kind of initially screening the general public right at that first interface and then if they don't have any of these big red flags off the list you know and they decide they're interested in the model of care then they can make an appointment and then continuously through the pregnancy is an ongoing risk assessment um and so by the time someone gets through the pregnancy and is admitted in labor, they have become they have remained normal and healthy, right? They didn't sure. develop preeclampsia. They didn't develop um, gestational diabetes that requires insulin management. They didn't, you know, have some other thing like a DVT or do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Various oh, yeah. other things that All can sorts happen. Of things, yes. Yeah. The other big thing is they've had a healthy baby. So they have a full term pregnancy right so we don't do prematurity right so 37 to 42 weeks so you what we have walking in the door in labor is a baseline healthy 
pregnant person Mm -hmm. who doesn't have major underlying comorbidities Mm -hmm. and we have a healthy full-term fetus um, coming into the space. So that is how birth centers work and that's how we are safe. Yeah. Um, and that's how we have the outcomes that we have. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's that's... not just anybody that comes and shows up. Right. Sure. When I talk to hospital based providers, sometimes they'll be like, well, what do you do for preeclampsia? I was like, we have them at the hospital. Right. Like, we don't have them in the birth center. <laughs> right. Yeah. That selection process is big. And then their selection of you, they're saying, hey, I don't want an epidural during this process. Correct. And yes. I don't want any number of other things that actually you didn't list a whole lot of right. big differences that <laughs> the hospital has that you don't do. Right. Uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, a, a short list. Mm-hmm. It's a very short list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. they are selecting that they want this environment. They think it'd be good for them, their family mm-hmm. and their whole, the whole birthing process for them. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, Cool. So you talked about birthing centers. Mm-hmm. I know you're uh, also big into community birth in mm-hmm. general. Community birth means both birth and home. So but birthing it, center, birthing and home. center. Oh, sorry. Yes, birthing center and home birth yeah. is so, what community birth encompasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anywhere but the hospital, essentially. Essentially. So the traditional term is out of hospital birth, and okay. there's kind of a movement to move away from that because it makes it the hospital sound like right. the center and the right thing to do, and you're coming out of it and doing something different. Um, So that's why there's this movement to kind of use that term community birth so Mm -hmm. that it's not in relation to the hospital, so to speak. Right. Um, And are there other um, locations other than a birthing center or a home that birth traditionally or typically takes place? I mean, not that I know of, particularly when you expand what's the definition of home. Right. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, is a home, uh, you know, an apartment, uh, um, someone who has a tiny house on wheels and travels around the country. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. when you expand and open up to what the definition of home is, then I don't think there's any other places that okay. are doing birth outside of the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. And so how does maybe a home birth differ from mm-hmm. um, a birthing center? Uh, let's, I guess let's just kind of juxtapose those two. Yeah. So one of the big things about the birth center is you have to come to the birth center. Yeah, I, I believe that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, one thing about home births is you don't have to drive when you're in labor, which nobody loves. I mean, sure. full yeah. disclosure, <laughs> nobody loves. I'll take your word for it. Being in active labor, getting in a car and driving anywhere. Um, so one big thing about a home birth is that you don't have to travel or go anywhere. The, the birth team comes to you. There's also something about being in your space and who is holding the power in that situation when it's your house Mm -hmm. um, and how that can affect you psychologically and be more powerful. Um, One of the things about home births is not everybody has a home that's appropriate for a birth, right? right? Maybe they're renting and their landlord's like, uh, no. Uh, Maybe they don't live in a safe neighborhood. Maybe they don't have adequate housing, right? So there's lots of reasons why a home birth might not be possible or the best choice. Um, you know, also your home might be really far away from a hospital in the event of an emergency, right? That's one of the nice things about birth centers is they're typical, typically relatively close, you know, within 30 minute or less radius, usually much less than 30 minutes from a hospital. So that if there is an emergency, you can, access that level of care quickly if you need to. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the potential disadvantages of being at home, right? 
Um, each setting has its own advantages and disadvantages, home versus center hospital, right? And I think each family needs to make an assessment of which ones are the best for them mm -hmm. in their situation. So can somebody kind of establish as a client with you mm -hmm. uh, and then have a home birth or and then you can you know yeah. s dispatch people when necessary we don't do home births okay. at seasons and currently um currently we don't do that because it's um sadly unfortunately a lot of it has to do with malpractice insurance but also staffing to cover yeah the the locate the logistics of that is very tricky right um so we really just do the birth center and mm -hmm. then as i said we have the hospital privileges so right. folks who have to transfer in labor also people who develop complications in the third trimester um we can schedule inductions at the hospital um if someone develops preeclampsia mm -hmm. or some condition where we say we're not going to be at the birth center for birth um then my midwives we can do their inductions and manage their birth at the hospital right cool as a scheduled event yeah, yeah. there are birth centers around the country that do do birth center and home birth there's a very few but there's a couple that do home birth and hospital wow. um that's a very difficult model to sustain but there are a couple of them out there right um and then there's some like us who have the do the birth center in the hospital Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how would somebody, I guess you said there are some birth birthing centers that can staff a home birth. Mm -hmm. um, is that how that typically happens or is there any medical staff or birthing staff there uh, for a lot of home births or do you know the stats on yeah. that if people... So bring equipment and yeah in colorado there's a them. lot of home birth midwives um their certified nurse midwives can do can attend home births in the state of colorado there's also another type of midwife we haven't talked about that's called a certified professional midwife and they do not have any nursing training or anything to do with nursing at all they have their own specific training that is rigorous and long and involved and they also take a national certification course but they're not nurses mm -hmm. they have a slightly smaller scope of practice because than a certified nurse midwife because they really focus on the childbearing year right they really just do prenatal postpartum um and the initial newborn but they don't do kind of the full scope right care that a cnm does yeah and there's the last time i looked there was right around 60 cpms in the state of colorado and they provide a lot of home they attend a lot of the home births in the state and what happens if you have a home birth you will have a cpm or a cnm so i'll default to a midwife that hey you have been receiving all of your prenatal care from mm-hmm and then that person comes to your house when you're in labor and essentially brings all of the equipment that you would have <laughs> right. uh, to the home. Right. Um, so they bring, you know, oxygen and emergency equipment and Dopplers to listen to the baby and they bring it to your house from their car and they typically have assistants that come with them. So there will either be two midwives who come or a midwife and someone who is specifically trained and certified to be a birth assistant. So the birth team then goes to your house cool that sounds i mean yeah sounds like a there's <laughs> at least there's a lot of different options that seem like mm -hmm. really good options for you know different people in different situations absolutely um, and there should always might... be all the choices that's right. my thing is choice if you want to have an epidural if you're a hundred percent team epidural 
Um, there's nothing wrong with that. You should pick a hospital that has a really high epidural rate because that hospital is going to have the best CRNAs and the best anesthesiologists, and they're going to have the staffing and the equipment to do really good epidurals. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to have an unmedicated physiologic birth, that's probably not the place to go because right. that's not what they're set up for. <laughs> yep. and, that, and you might end up getting exactly what you didn't want Correct. because... You know, if, if you have a hammer, then things look like nails. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, can we uh, transition into talking about working with uh, medical residents? Yeah. Um, because you've done yep. that at least uh, um, in some different contexts. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. The first birth center that I worked with was called Mount Midwifery Center, and we were right next door to Swedish Medical Center. Okay. And I interfaced a lot with the family practice program there, and we um, facilitated having uh, residents come do some clinical rotations with us at the birth center, and that was amazing. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish, you know, I, I should probably reach out and see about doing that again at seasons where we're at. Um, but I think it's phenomenal. I think it goes back to um, what I was talking about with the physician Marsden Wagner who had never seen it and just didn't know, right? Yeah. And again, most people who come through traditional American medical education system aren't going to see very many truly physiologic, unmanaged unmedically managed births and so having people have the opportunity to see that and kind of understand that that's a thing yeah is really important and then i also think it's really important interdisciplinary between the teams right for physicians and midwives to learn what each other does who they are to build relationships i think um particularly for midwives we are sometimes you know folks don't understand what we are and who we do and or what we are and how we do what we do. Uh, (laughs) um, And there's a lot of misconceptions about what we do. Um, And so being able to actually build relationships with people and collaborate and have that kind of professional relationship, I think is really valuable and important. Um, So I think it's, um, it's a great uh, thing to do, right? To expose each other to our disciplines. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Interprofessional education yes. is huge um, and super valuable. Mm-hmm. So you're working with these family uh, medicine residents. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, I think, uh, especially <laughs> at Swedish, so I'm a family medicine <laughs> resident at Swedish, so yes. I can <laughs> I can speak from future experience coming up here. Um, uh, you do a lot of uh, obstetrics in your mm-hmm. first year. So you don't have a lot of experience yet, yeah. And you don't have the knowledge um, that somebody with your experience mm-hmm. has. So, what were some of the things that you saw those, uh, you know, family residents, first year family residents, yeah. interns doing well, doing not well, or mm-hmm. you know, wish you could impart wisdom prior to them rotating yeah. with you? I think well, one of the things that family practice residents are are good at that I noticed because I think. Again, I think family practice medicine has a different lens than perhaps general medicine, right? Mm -hmm. Because family practice is more focusing, has a more kind of holistic looking at the whole body and the whole family, you know, wanting to care for people from, you Mm -hmm. know, birth to to geriatrics. And so they have that kind of lens. And so I think one of the things that the family practice residents did really well with was 
making connections and wanting to develop those relationships and spend mm-hmm. time with clients yeah. and appreciating that. And the that interpersonal was, side mm-hmm, of, of medicine. That interpersonal side of medicine, they always came great with that and desire for that. I think, you know, again, what they had, I don't want to say struggled with, but I think what was really eye-opening for them was how hands-off you can be, right? And yes. really kind of staying back and standing back. Um, and letting things unfold and watching again, I don't want to keep, you know, saying it over and over again, but watching a human in their power, um, in their decision making and in their informed consent and their process of being in physiologic, unmedically managed labor is powerful. Um, and it's so it can be overwhelming. It can be intimidating. It can make people very nervous. Um, you know, yeah. there's a big difference between someone in unmedicated labor and someone with an epidural, right? Like just mm-hmm. the energy yeah. in the room right. is very different. And so I think it's good to expose all people who are going to be in healthcare, you know, to that process and mm-hmm. to that, to that energy and how that looks. Yeah. Yeah. That is uh, a good point. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, everything you said rings totally true. Um, mm-hmm. and don't be afraid to keep repeating the same, <laughs> the same idea because it's, it's like, uh, the foundation of what we're talking about yeah. here. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also another thought I had, what was it? Oh, that, you know, I think sometimes we feel like if we're not doing something, mm-hmm. then we're missing, we're, we should be doing something. Yeah. And so if, uh-huh. but <laughs> But like you said, sometimes being hands off and letting the natural physiologic process of uh-huh. whatever process we're talking about. In this case, it's childbirth. Right. But there can be other inst- you know examples of this. Absolutely. Unfold and yep. let the body do what it's going to do. Yeah. And you're there to support. Yeah. yeah. I think the human body is full of inherent wisdom and it wants to work. Right. The human body wants homeostasis. It wants to work there's a drive for that physiologically. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times we just need to get out of the way, particularly in things like labor and birth. And I think in the hospital, what you're saying is just what you said when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail, Mm -hmm. right? Right. (laughs) What can I do here? Well, it's the things I know how to do, the things I've been trained to do. So I'm going to do one of those things, or at least I'm more likely to do one of those things um, (laughs) that I know how to do and, and can... I describe being Justify, a midwife yeah. um, as being when you go to a pool and there's that lifeguard up in the high chair. Yep. And most of the time that lifeguard looks like they're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're just sitting up there. Um, but what they're doing is they're keeping a, an acute eye on everything that's happening and watching and monitoring and taking the information in and watching for, you know, I call things pink flags that could then become red flags. Right. Um, and so I describe myself as a, as a lifeguard in the chair, as a midwife where I am constantly watching and observing and taking in subjective and objective data and making sure things are normal. But most of the time in normal labor and birth, I don't have to jump down out of the chair, but you better believe that when I need to jump down out of the chair, Mm -hmm. I will without hesitation and without question. So sometimes I tell families, like if you feel like we're just kind of sitting there and you're thinking, 
what are you doing? <laughs> it's actually a good sign. I tell people, if I'm sitting there sipping a cup of tea, it means that things are great. You're doing really good. The process is working. Because believe me, if I need to get all up in your business, yeah. I will get all up in your business. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. If you're running and opening cupboards real fast, then <laughs> yeah, it exactly. seems like you're doing something, but that's not a good sign. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, that is uh, good words of wisdom. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I really like that analogy, the uh, the lifeguard. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm going to keep that one. Yeah, it's a good here. one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, do you have um, any, I, I guess, words of wisdom or things to say or any thoughts yeah. that come up when I, when I uh, talk about uh, or bring up the idea of uh, maybe not medical residents training, mm-hmm. but PCPs? How can we... Uh, um, make their world easier. Yeah. Um, the gen, you know, the general practice or yeah. family medicine doctor who's got, um, you know, somebody who's either mm-hmm. impending birth or, mm-hmm. um, you know, in some way pregnant. I yeah. guess is what I'm trying I to think, say. What um, What do they need to know about your yeah. world? What they need to know. Sorry, what they need to know about us. Your, your world. Yeah. 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 Um, um, that really midwifery is and midwives are the experts in normal pregnancy and birth. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's our training. That's our wheelhouse. That's where we come from. And so um, one of the things that happens when you're an expert is normal is you and you become very expert at identifying not normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Totally. Um, and so to understand that that's who we are and what we do, the the big thing I would say coming from a midwifery perspective is that for most people in the United States, we are going to go through labor and birth one to three times in our life. Mm-hmm. Um, it is an exceptionally vulnerable moment. It is a powerful moment because it's something that is only done a small handful of times. Um, people who give birth will forever remember in a deep psychological, physical way, how they were treated, mm-hmm. um, during their labor and their, during their pregnancy and their labor and their birth. Um, and that is something to always remember, particularly, I think when you're in a busy practice and you're having all, you know, in a hospital, like, oh, there's the patient in room two and 10 and seven. Right. And it's easy for us as clinicians to forget the specialness of it for the individual. Mm-hmm. that's experiencing it. And I have talked to women in their 70s, 80s, 90s, who when they hear that I'm a midwife, instantly go back um, and recount the details of their births in such intimate and powerful and touching ways for both good and bad. Um, and so I think it's important for anyone who is interacting with pregnant people, people in labor, people during birth, the immediate postpartum, to remember that. Like this is a, a, a time of your life that sticks with you forever. How you are treated impacts the rest of your life, how you interact with the healthcare system in general, um, how you feel about your body and how it works or doesn't work. And to really keep that in mind when you're working with this population, like how powerful that is and to bring yourself out of your kind of day to day. Right. And take the time to, to recognize and honor that. Beautiful. (laughs) I I love it. Um, I think that's uh, all really important, uh, words and, and kind of, uh, you know, relatively simple Mm -hmm. to, to Mm -hmm. remember. I think when you, when you, 
give such great uh, philosophical advice and it's it's simple and easy. Just remember that this is an important part of somebody's yep. life. This is a big deal for yeah. them. Yeah. That's yeah. always good. It's always important to hear. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for uh, being on the show. It's uh, I feel like I learned a ton Excellent. and uh, it was really a uh, really great conversation. Yeah. One of the best physicians I ever practiced, collaborated with was a family practice physician and he um, is near and dear to my heart. So I love family practice um, physicians and I feel like sometimes in the world of medicine, family practice physicians get the short straw sometimes. They're not as, I don't know how to say it exactly, but... um, yeah, no, I know what you mean. There's, I mean, they're not maybe compensated as well. They're maybe kind of um, mm-hmm. put down uh, towards like, yeah, the bottom of the barrel. Yes, yeah. Uh, in terms of the, um, I guess, prestige. Yes, there is, you go. Is Thank the, you. Maybe the word we're both looking for, yeah. Yeah, and I just want to say that, that in my experience, that's not further, that's furthest from the truth. Um, and again, some of the best providers I have collaborated with have been family practice physicians. So I, Thank you for your specialty and your skill and what your community brings to the field of healthcare. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, uh, it's uh, it's a privilege to to get to meet people and get to understand more about their world. You kind of spoke about that um, when talking about going into somebody's home mm-hmm. uh, to uh, assist them with their birth. Yeah, and how that's powerful. You get to learn a lot about somebody from going in their home, and yeah. you get to learn a lot about someone from you know seeing them multiple times in the clinic, and mm-hmm. so you get just uh you know little bits of information mm-hmm. that help kind of expand your worldview or your view of this person uh that you know whatever person in question um yeah. i kind of relate to that a little bit too because i was an emt and so uh mm-hmm. before med school i would go into people's houses or their cars or their yeah. office or wherever they were yep. uh and i thought it was kind of an intimate and you mm-hmm. know oftentimes vulnerable thing for it you is. know that they're experiencing um but that's the beauty of the the family doctors they get to yep. experience more of someone yeah uh, and and be, and same with your <laughs> your profession as well. Um, all right, I think that's all. Actually, one more thing. Do you yeah. want to um, just talk a little bit more about your book? Oh yes. Um, so it's called Midwifery for Expectant Parents. You can find it online wherever you buy books. Obviously, Amazon is a big one, but what? yeah, um, Barnes and Noble online, Target online. But you can search Google search Midwifery for Expectant Parents. Um, I think Goodreads has it as well. Um, it came out in 2020 or yeah, 2020, sorry, mm-hmm. <laughs> 2020. Yep. Um, and again, it is not written for midwives or physicians or clinicians. It is written for families. Um, it is inclusive of all family types and it is also inclusive of provider types Um, there's a section on what is midwifery and what is the history of midwifery and why would I pick a midwife, Um, pregnancy, general pregnancy stuff and health, um, developmental stages in pregnancy, what's happening in each trimester, Um, birth plans, why would you want a birth plan, how do you make a birth plan, Um, postpartum care, some lactation support and resources, um, postpartum mood disorders, uh, things like that. It's a, I think it's a valuable resource, uh, for families, uh, and I'm very proud of it. And again, it's midwifery for expectant parents. Great. All right. Get it wherever you find finer books. 
<laughs> All right. Thanks again so much. And uh, I'm sorry we had to do this after your uh, on-call night. Ooh, so I think I did pretty good, though. No, yeah, you were incredible. <laughs> the I coffee was, was critical. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Anything I can do to help. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everyone. Please share the show with a friend, a coworker, a loved one, a family member, student, maybe a professor, maybe somebody uh, just ahead of you in the drive-through line. I wonder if you could probably like uh, airdrop it to them or something like that. Please do. Someone on an airplane right before takeoff. Share the show is what I'm trying to say. Also. Check out Midwifery for Expectant Parents, a modern guide to choosing the birth that's right for you. Uh, You can find that where finer books are found. You can find Aubrey Tompkins at seasonsbirthcenter.com, Primary Care Podcast, at Primary Care Podcast on Instagram. Thanks for listening. Just add a little pizzazz, you know what I'm saying? uterus was the universe and it bloomed and birthed the moon and the earth nothing ever happened till it was observed by the first animals with optic nerves it was a fight for survival many died though friends were formed to fight mutual rivals man and woman appeared and they realized there was a thing called love bringing joy into their lives boom they were civilized went from stones and bones to phones and drones as many kings took the throne built empires and the stories well known History ticks along like a metronome And then I came to be Learned to walk, talk, and throw stuff All grown up, I got a job Now and showing up I'm sleep deprived, I'm misaligned My appetite is primed to feed the ego Almost all the time And then I met you, lovely and smooth You quickly removed my modern man's blues I wanna celebrate every breath that I take Cause I'm afraid I'm dreaming And I don't wanna wait So baby, let me grab a hold of your body, mind, and soul And forever gonna grow into something we don't know Baby, let me grab a hold of your body, mind, and soul And forever gonna grow into something we don't know Baby, let me grab a hold of your body, mind, and soul And forever gonna grow into something we don't know Baby, let me grab a hold of your body, mind, and soul And forever gonna grow into something we don't know The universe was my universe But I left to pursue the search of love But sometimes it hurt along the way If there's anything I've learned Create a garden Plant flowers in the dirt I'm gonna be the sunshine and rain Protect you from the pain As I push you toward the flames Play the game and wonder Am I the hunted or the hunter? When I was younger I met God and I hugged her She said, hey baby Instead of getting lost within How about you try to walk a mile in my moccasin Stop, begin Let the thoughts and visions Guide you further down the road Going inch by inch Don't sprint Take it slow, protect your soul Travel long and far, but make sure to come home Cause the love that's here is what keeps you going And gives you the power and the freedom to grow Let's giggle and laugh and rise up through the stress This life is crazy, but it's the goddamn best When life gets complex, don't think, just do it first It was simpler when the uterus was so baby Let me grab a hold of your body, mind, and soul And forever gonna grow into something we don't know Baby, let me grab a hold of your body, mind, and soul And forever gonna Body, mind, and soul, and forever gonna grow into something we don't know. Baby, let me grab a hold of your body, mind, and soul, and forever gonna grow into something we don't know. The universe was my universe. The 
the uterus was my universe. All conversations and information exchanged and contained in the podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only and should not be confused with medical treatment, advice, or direction. Nothing on the podcast should supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although guests on the show are board certified and licensed physicians, they are not functioning as physicians in this environment. And no doctor-patient relationship is formed. So let me grab a hold of your body, mind, and soul and forever gonna grow into something we don't know. Baby, let me grab a hold body, mind, and soul, and forever gonna grow into something we don't know. Baby, let me grab a hold of your body, mind, and soul, and forever gonna grow into something we don't know. Baby, let me grab a hold of your body, mind, and soul, and forever gonna grow into something we don't know.